Welcome to Across the Pond, Marketing Transformed, a podcast that explores ways to transform your business and marketing strategy. Whether you're a rising star, entrepreneur, or experienced professional, a show packed with stories to inspire success and build a growth mindset for you and your company. Featuring global brand CMOs, transformation experts, and business founders, your co-hosts, Chris Lawson in London, UK, and Samuel Moni across the pond in Philadelphia, USA. Hey, Chris, we're back on for another show. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Sam. Yeah, it's come around quickly again, hasn't it? It has indeed, but this Agile Marketing Action Plan is keeping us busy. And this week, we're going to talk about measures, metrics, KPIs, you know, how do we know that we're succeeding and meeting or even exceeding expectations? That's going to be the topic of this week's show. And we've talked a lot about this, actually, so we make no apologies now to revisit it again in episode 13 and episode 12 before that, Essential Metrics, and putting it into action was episode 13. And we, we kind of deem it as a key topic to any marketing plan. We go deeper in those episodes. So put 45, 50 minutes in your schedule to go back and check those out later on after this. For this show, we're going to go into the Agile Marketing Action Plan and the behaviors you need to get measuring and your metrics right. So it's important that you ensure that it links back to the rest of this Agile Marketing Action Plan. For example, customer experience, the customer, the shopper, the consumer, brand health that we've talked about in the prior episodes, content that we covered and creativity, and also transformation mindset that we talked about in prior episodes. So it all links back to those topics. Last week. Yeah, absolutely. And it all comes together because what can't be measured isn't worth doing sounds a bit prophetic, but <laughs> you need to be choosy. You need to have a point of view on what you're actually going to measure, but have a point of view and spend time and effort crafting what your actual metrics are. You need definitive measures that can be calculated, some of which are perhaps more qualitative as well as quant. So you, you need to have that blend and that balance. It can't all just be stuff that lives in a spreadsheet and only lives and thrives as numbers. There's got to be that qual and quant balance. And defining what success looks like is only the start of the journey. What you measure is important, but the how matters just as much, if not more. And we'll cover that throughout this in terms of the plan. So with so many possible metrics, how do you choose what's right for you? And for us, we've, in the prior episode we talked about, we've come up with seven, or was it eight? I think we, we, we kind of cheated a bit and said eight essential metrics. And I'll just quickly highlight them. Business and performance targets. Then we talked about cost, um, cost per acquisition, behavioral change objectives, customer satisfaction related um, metrics, brand equity and brand health, retention measures, Measures linked to culture, and it could be linked to the purpose on the mission and the values. And a friend of mine example for me is that Pew Research from 2016 showed that the support for Black Lives Matter was only at 40% in 2016. Fast forward to 2020, and it's now the majority of Americans who support it at 65% and rising. So brand activism is clearly linked to data and culture. And then the final one that snuck in was conversion funnel metrics. So those were the eight that we talked about in episodes 12 and 13, Chris. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it snuck in, Sam, to be absolutely honest. I think, I think we had a good old debate of a time and, and <laughs> I was saying it's firmly in rather than snuck in. Um, and and we come on to that as well. I mean, it, it is hard. It is hard to get them down. And if I look at that list now and I think which ones are, are relevant post-COVID or which ones um, aren't and... And the reality is, is that you still need to be focused on on all of those and probably need to be focusing on them all even more than you were before. 
Um, and, and I remember it was a nightmare trying to get it down. And I, I dare say there's a few more metrics in fashion since we recorded that as well. And, and what's clear is that within the startup and scale-up world, there, there's definitely a shift as well. It's, it's not that the financial-driven measures aren't important anymore. Of course they are. Uh, the first thing an investor will do when looking at a business is review the financial metrics. But increasingly, they're looking at the long-term customer metrics, things such as lifetime value or terminal value. And the terminal, terminal value is, is well, what the um, valuation is when it assumes a business is going to grow at a set growth forecast after the, the period where it's been valued. And that's incredibly important for subscription-based businesses where there's a, an inherent value in the customer base um, when it's sort of taken on. And, and so why? Why is there a move there? It's because there's a recognition that in a volatile world with increasing competition every day, customers are, are king and you need to focus on that. Yeah, you're, you're spot on there, Chris. I just did a webinar on agile marketing for the Content Marketing Institute. And my co-presenter, Deanna Ransom, she's VP of Global Marketing at Televerdi. We were both highlighting the need for being agile, getting more done and being able to pivot while understanding what will be lasting versus the shorter term impacts, always with the customer front of mind. And there's data from Salesforce that, re that reports that show that 43% of marketers currently track lifetime customer value and an additional 46% um, plan to track it. So that's like a, over 100% growth in that measure. And lifetime value gives you a holistic view from discovery of the brand through to using it, then through to advocacy. And yes, it's a bit more complicated because you're synthesizing online, offline engagement, average order value frequency. So you're bringing a, a number of different metrics together together so it forces you beyond the simpler like lead counts or page views measures and the, the data from the salesforce report also shows that 84 percent of customers say experiences provided by a company are as important as, a, as its products and services so good job we did at episode 47 on the very topic of customer experience absolutely but if you give a listener any more episodes to go back and listen to they're never actually going to get to the end of this one sam so so we'll, <laughs> we'll leave it there i think but but it is yep. is uh, joking aside it's a really good graphic in that article sam so we must put a link to it in the blog um and we've been putting up the transcripts every week now so so please check them out and, and it really does show the growth in all of the customer metrics you, you take something like lifetime value that was seen as a niche metric in a way only appropriate if you were a direct marketer or worked on a subscription business and and i would probably say that was only maybe five maybe ten years ago now it's definitely gone mainstream so it's, it's a interesting sort of a thing to think about metrics going mainstream stream as well and let's face it in a post-covid world it's going to become even more important you have to hang on to whatever you can and i think the other point to make is that what can't me be measured isn't worth measuring as you said up front sam you have to work harder this though it's, it's not quite simple it sounds a bit glib because increasingly we we need a clear set of criteria to judge ourselves against but there's still an area where there's a, a lot of murkiness, and that's around attribution. Clearly, a performance marketing-focused um, email campaigns, CRO can be measured, but many new channels is much more hazy. Um, but we also know that if, if they're not involved, then, then success is not as strong. 
you know, so take take influence for, for instance. They command a growing share of ad budgets, and once upon a time, they were measured simply on a follower count, and that is now seen as, as not good enough. Uh, you mm-hmm. also move into the accountability issues as well. That still go on. Um, Definitely worth checking out. There's an article on Forbes about um, Kylie Jenner and her beauty business valuation and how that moved from a billion pound valuation um, considerably beneath that. Still no real answers, but uh, but a great read. And, and I think the point there is that in order to make that whole influencer attribution equation work, you've got to take into account quality and quantity of reach, um, the nature and quality of content, and other variables that tie influence to revenue as well. So, so a lot to think about there, Sam. Good points there, Chris. So how do we know that we're succeeding by meeting or even exceeding expectations? Let's get into an action plan to ensure you measure what matters. Good. All right. Well, I'll take the step one. Um, and step one is about cutting through the noise. It's so easy to get distracted by the myriad of tech software that promises to analyze your business and attribute accordingly or use your measurement to drive your business in real time. And unless you're an incredibly sophisticated e-com operation, this level of expertise is is not necessary at the moment and can be a distraction. Uh, the second thing to cut through is, is to understand that there's some simplistic ratios with all the hundreds of measures out there that actually can be incredibly valuable because they clearly and easily sort of show growth trends, you know, such as something like the um, CAC over lifetime value, for example, or an index based on performance on year-on-year data. It can be really simple trend data just to sort of give you a snapshot. However... And sorry, Chris, just, just as you go next, so CAC is standing for um, cost per acquisition or what? Are we, what's that? Yeah, ex- exactly. I mean, there's various sort of different definitions of it, but but effectively the simplest one is around the sort of a, a cost per acquisition calculation. Um, good point, Sam. Yeah, we always said that we should call out any acronyms and there am I not abiding by our own philosophy. Um, the second thing that I wanted to make a point about, about, point about though, is that it is time to try and set a new baseline for measurement. Um, sadly, the reality is, is that the, the, the dynamics pre-COVID and now are very, very different. So if you were used to looking at um, year-on-year measures, then it's not going to mean a lot. What you really want to do is is pick a day a couple of weeks before um, so the pandemic really hit um, and, and try and establish what that baseline looks like and understand what the impact has been. Um, because the year-on-year measures will have limited relevance now. Uh, but also, a way to get around it is think about comparable data from other categories. Whilst before, this may have been seen as a more unreliable variable, now it's probably the opposite and has greater similarity to as to what's going on now um, versus looking at how one category has performed this year versus last year. And you may have to look at how channels perform over different categories. So for example, media consumed during a commute is likely to be most significantly affected. Well, some formats such as video are maybe easier to consume at home rather than in the office. So there's a lot to think about, but you need to uh, you need to start by trying to cut through the noise and working out what's what's appropriate. So step two follows on nicely from that. It's about keeping it simple. Um, we've given you a base uh, key performance indicators that we think are appropriate, and 
They may not be 100% there for your audience, but I, I wouldn't bet that they're not a million miles off. But the reality is, is whichever organization you're in, if you've got five specialists times five metrics over, th let's just say, three departments, product sales and marketing for argument's sake, and before you know it, you've got 75 metrics. So you need a point of view and you also need to find a way to bring it to life. And that's about adding color. We've talked about data-driven stories before. And if you keep a simple one pager, then it can work. But I've been in organizations where you have 30, 40, 50 different drivers all on one page. And, and well, let's just say that those, those updates never actually ever get written uh, or, or in, indeed read after a while. Um, it's more like a paper exercise. You set that up and no one actually ever follows it. So if you have got 50 things, unless you're like Uber or Google or some some company with mega resources, you, you're going you're gonna to have to try and think how you can simplify that. And you can do that by a visual representation of key metrics. Um, that can be done in Excel or Google Sheets. But don't just have a table upon table. It's all, it all becomes blurry after a while. So communication is half the battle. You've got to find a good story. You've got to tell it simply. You've got to tell it well. And you've got to use multi-channel marketing in order to do it. Those are all great points there. And so step three then is, especially if you're in a larger organization, but even in a smaller one, you, you have to ensure there's cross-functional contribution. Everyone needs to contribute to defining the metrics. All your stakeholders and key players should have a role. I mean, in so many situations where different teams have their own spreadsheets of the data, so you mentioned the Google Sheets, everyone's got their own uh, and everyone has spreadsheets and everyone has their file. Now you've got seven different versions or eight different versions with everyone claiming that they have the numbers, but not once have they actually sat down and tried to link them up or join them together. As, min as a minimum, all marketers have to take part and have understood how to apply the metrics to their brand or to their category or to their business. Smaller or smaller brands, lower funded brands can at least identify actions that they can apply to their business or their brand to feel empowered. So these metrics apply whether you're large or small. I was at a conference last year and there were some great examples from Chobani and they involve their IT and their legal folks as they work across functions. That's spot on above the bare minimum of just marketers. So I would advocate make sure you include your shopper marketing, your PR, your advertising, your direct marketing, or your web agencies as as co-owners of the evidence and the data that you use. The breakthrough really comes when you actually get together, compare, discuss, debate and contrast. You don't have to agree, but you have to align behind the decision. So I repeat, you don't have to agree, but you actually all have to align behind the decision on what those, those actual metrics are. Good. All right, Sam. So uh, I think that is really clear. But number four is that it's a hard one, this, because everything has to work harder in the world. And, and that's easy to say and, and more difficult to do. Um, and, and I think that you need to remember that you've got to continually need to learn about channels and markets and customer behaviors. Uh, but in this environment, efficiency and managing your existing customer base is the name of the game. So those bottom of a funnel metrics are important. If you don't know where new customers are going to come from, or you're not sure which channels are going to be appropriate, then stick to super serving your customers. That means every single measure and metric related to them needs to go in the right direction, whether it's reducing customer drop-off out of a funnel, focusing cross-sell and upsell metrics, as well as customer engagement metrics, such as time spent on site, frequency and visit, and then, of course, customer satisfaction. None of this is rocket science, but there is a difference between talking about this and doing it. 
Ahmed made up a point about drilling into the metrics that matter and focusing on pushing them up. So, you know, do you know which part of your website is working hardest for you? If you're looking at ROAS, ROAS, return on advertising spend, do you know which channels are working harder for you? And, and it's, there's one caveat here that everything does have to work harder in this world we're in. However, you can't rely on the bottom of a funnel metrics. And uh, I think you'll cover that, won't you, Sam? Yes. So as you talked about that, there, I was thinking that there's some additional perspective when you think about everything has to work harder. There's definitely evidence that says, look, share a voice and pushing awareness, especially in a re- recession, is the smart thing to do. Just do a Google search or equal opportunity a Bing search and you'll see an abundance of articles and statements during corporate corporate earnings announcements that really talk to the fact that you you should still support invest and put resources behind this ultimately getting this data and evidence to support advertising in a recession you'll you'll mitigate the naysayers perhaps the CFO, I know they they get a bad rap, but they have to ensure that the CFO doesn't have the last word. It also means that you ensure that you have C-suite and CMO-sponsored advocacy so that you've got the chief marketing officer pointing to the fact that marketing dollars are in supply if we prove that marketing delivers. So there's a, a report from Nielsen that was part of the research we did for this. There's an article I saw from Ben O'Dora, the CEO now chair of Clorox, talking about the power of how it works. Mark Ritson, it's a virtual marketing professor who's written a lot about this. And there's a great piece from Kunal Gupta, CEO of Polar, and we'll put those in the show notes as well. He says there are countless opportunities for brands and publishers who choose to take a long-term view on their businesses and customers. There'll be a difficult choices in the short term that leaders will have no choice but to make. But it's important to marry these with faith for a longer term trajectory that can be better than the baseline. And building on what Chris was sharing earlier about making everything work harder, having great evidence in the steps we've talked about will influence the decisions, uh, lead to the allocation of the resources and the budgets. uh, And to, to sum up everything needing to work harder, a good way to do that is actually objectively benchmarking what players in the industry or category or segment are or aren't looking at. There's some real-time insight from HubSpot. And what's good is they actually published their sales and marketing benchmark data from over 70,000 users. And what that's showing during sort of pre-COVID and, and up into, net, into August 2020, when we're looking at the data, is there's 10 to 15% decline in ad spend. So maybe if you're advertising, you can actually punch above your weight if you do spend. There's a 30% increase in marketing email sent. So I know we've all felt that in our inboxes. So emails have to really work harder to cut through and they have to be better. And there's also a 20% increase in web traffic. So with that, it's much more important, A, to have a web presence, but also the bar has been raised in terms of user experiences of your website. So then moving on to the fifth and final step, we argue that you should ensure there are actual linkages throughout the metric you choose. Kind of sounds obvious, but often you might be struggling to link one number to another number or another decision. So if you have business targets, financial targets, then you need to know what the behavior change is going to be to drive that end result. So for example, you've got $10,000 target or increase in your budget, then how many people and how much are they going to spend to get you to that $10,000? increase or 10,000 pounds, whatever that number is. If you can't really commit to calculating it, or you're not sure, or you don't have any evidence of that 10,000 in the first place, Mm. then you probably need to think again and go back to the starting point. 
So no matter what you have, can you see the linkage between them? It's less about reporting the number of impressions or the number of, of click-throughs. It's more important to explain how they link together, how they link towards that sh- what the shopper's actually doing or what the next page that they should see on the web page should be or what information you need to show when they click on it. What should, should that be? So again, for my $10,000 example, is it 100 people a month spending $100 more or is it 1,000 people spending $10 more that month? But if you only have 50 customers, then getting a thousand people to do is probably unfeasible, probably not realistic. So that's what I mean by behavior change and having that linkage. You also should be tightening the metrics as you go along. So what that means is you don't need to have all the answers and be precise or perfect right away. As you build more evidence, more explanatory factors, then use that data. But the point here is you're measuring, bringing in the evidence via a real source. You're not making up or guessing. Okay. So if you're guessing from the beginning and you're still guessing three years later, probably not a good thing to be doing. Uh, we know there's an attribution gap. Marketers are struggling in this space as they try to reevaluate what actually is or isn't attributable to, to the money they're spending and the results. So here's a, here's a tip. Start with the end state in mind. Think about it like you're thinking about Google Maps, where are you actually trying to get to? And then you put all the bundle of assumptions and tools and technologies together to help you do that. It's about ensuring the, the right credits are portioned correctly to the right touch point, the right action and the right activity. So you can use more and more advanced analytics to get there to give the right credit. But it's most important to actually have the right set of assumptions and having evidence. And it's obviously not about the last click, the last action. It's about thinking about it holistically. Good stuff, Sam. I think I was going to interrupt you mid-flow and then I thought better of it because I think you were on a roll. But I think the step four when you were talking about the HubSpot data and uh, some of those inside points are really fascinating, thinking about email and what's working and what isn't. I think there's some stuff that you can use there. And, of course, what we like to do at the end of each action plan is say, what's the one thing you should do tomorrow? And and for me, it's around working through your core list. Forget what the company is measuring. What are the the metrics that you should be looking at? What are the top three things that are going to make the biggest difference to you doing your job and and ensuring that you can measure them accurately in real time. So, Sam, time's getting on, of course. Um, Why don't you give us the three key takeouts of this session? Absolutely, Chris. So the first thing I'd say is there's one team approach. You need really to have collective buy-in and the inclusion of everyone in the process of pulling together your metric and the evidence of those metrics. The second thing is using insight and action is critical. So it's not just about measuring it, but you need to translate that data into insight and actually be acting on those results and those metrics coming in. And thirdly, it's a journey. You need to have a point of view, but it's also about continuously improving. So don't seek perfection. It's about progress, not perfection. So having a point of view and going through the journey is critical in this process. Excellent. Really nicely summed up. Um, so next week's episode, we're, we're still on the, the behavior section. Um, and the next one, we're going to be talking about how to inspire collaboration. Uh, incredibly important when you think about the role of product playing a much more important role in that strength of that relationship with marketing or the strength of that relationship between marketing and sales. And of course, one of the points that Sam made earlier on about that strength of relationship between the CFO and the CMO as well. So we're going to be looking at that. And uh, as we uh, start to bring home the end of this Agile Marketing Action Plan, Sam. 
Yeah, absolutely. These are all docking together really, really nicely. So from metrics to collaboration, that's a great segue for us. So until next week, Chris, have a great week across the pond. Well, that's it for this week's show. We hope you enjoyed it. Find more by visiting marketingtransform.com and click on the subscribe link. If you listen via Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, or anything else, then click on follow, subscribe, or type Marketing Transformed into search. We're a new show, so please leave us a review, comment, or ask a question. We'd love to hear from you. Get in touch at marketingtransformshow at gmail.com.